Hey everybody, welcome to the Church at South Point podcast. We are so glad that you found your way to our little corner of the online universe. It's interesting to read the Bible, looking for repeating themes, themes that are so basic and fundamental to the scriptures that you almost miss them, the way we miss noticing the air that fills our lungs or the light that fills our day. And one of these fundamental basic themes within scriptures is that God communicates. God is a self-revealing God, a God of self-disclosure, a God who manifests. So in the season of Epiphany, we're going to lean into this image of God as one who communicates. And we're going to be open to the possibility that God just might be speaking to us and through us. Welcome here in this season of Epiphany with the light streaming in. We look for and celebrate the way God's light is manifest in our midst. When will this manifestation of God come to us this year? Where will it lead us? What will we be called to hear? What will we be called to do or invited into? I'm so glad you're here today as we ponder these questions and others. Let's sing together. These songs are ways of reminding us of our story found in God and in this place and in this world. Thank you, Angela. And welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, my gosh, there's my parents. That's so fun. (laughs) For those of you who who have been coming for a while, you know that there's an author that is quite dear to me. His name is Stephen Charleston, and he's an elder of the Choctaw Nation, and he's an Episcopal priest. And I've been starting each service with a little reading. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I like it so much, I'm going to keep it up. So here is our reading for today. Speak out. Speak out the hope you feel, for the world around you is longing to hear. Speak out the story of mercy and forgiveness and justice and respect, the simple decency of the human heart when it reaches out to help another. For many have lost sight of these things in the dim light of a troubled age. Speak out on behalf of those who have no voice, the creatures of this earth. They are dependent on wisdom alone to save them from the rush of profit. Speak out. Silence kills dreams. You have a clear vision, a strong faith, a loving spirit. Speak out and heal what is broken. And with that, we want to also just pause and speak out a land acknowledgement that this land that we gather on is the traditional ancestral and unceded territory of the Semiyamu First Nations and the broader territory of the Coast Salish people. And my prayer for us as a community is that these are words that we learn to not just speak, but embody in the way we are neighbors to this land and to the Indigenous people in our community. Have you ever felt homesick? Yeah. When you go to summer camp and you miss your family or you move to a new place, it's hard to feel homesick. We can be homesick for a place, but we can also be homesick for a person or people. 
When I leave the house, my dog gets homesick. And he comforts himself by gathering clothes, items of clothes that are within his reach. Sometimes he's very creative in accessing those clothes. And when I come home, invariably, there'll be some strange pile of my clothes inside the front door. He comforts himself. I wonder how you comfort yourself when you're feeling abandoned, homesick. The passage that Jen introduced to us today uh, was written for people who were feeling homesick. My understanding of exiles just a little more, well, they lost their homes due to war, right? And they were refugees in another place. And the prophet wanted to give them words that would comfort them, kind of like my clothes comforted Finn. I am eager to dig into this passage together. I'm also a little nervous because it's a little bit more of a laborious sermon. I'm asking you to like stick with the passage and, and, and engage with it. But I think there's something really beautiful in this. Words of hope to comfort us. So just as a little review, because not all of us, you know, are really up on books of the Bible and how they formed. If we could have the next slide. This passage was taken from the book of Isaiah, and like all the passages in the Bible, it was spoken or written to a historical context and spoken within that historical context. So when we know about that conversation the speaker is having with his own people, those words become a lot more richer. We kind of get what he was trying to do. So before we can see what message of hope this passage might have been to his community and to our community, we got to do a little bit of that work. So we're going to do a little flyover. The book of Isaiah, as we know it, wasn't written all in one time by one author. It seems to be made up of three different sections written in three different periods of history by three different prophets, at least, to three communities facing three different things. So I've just put this up here so you can get an idea that the first section, chapter 1 to 39, is written similar to the time of Jonah. We looked at Jonah a couple of weeks ago. In the 8th century, that's when the Assyrian Empire had kind of taken over the land. And then in this middle section, chapter 40 to 45, uh, which is called the Second Isaiah or the Deutero-Isaiah, it's written by an anonymous prophet. We don't know who it was. And he was writing to his people during the Babylonian captivity when they are exiles. And then the third section, which is just two chapters, is known in the third Isaiah and it was written after 539 BC, after the Persian King Cyrus conquered Babylon and the people came home. So this is known as the post-exilic community. And the reason it's important is that each section, they have their own challenge. And there's a unique message that is being made. So our passage today falls in that middle section. And there are two themes that repeat in the chapters in this middle section. There is a repeating message of hope and comfort and a promise of restoration. This community that is in exile under such distress, this will not be their final landing place. There is a future beyond. And then the second theme that's really beginning to emerge in the second period is this idea of monotheism. It has more prevalence that God is this overarching vast presence. So, if I was to sum it up in a sentence, this passage that we're going to look at today is a call to hope in a God who is vast, 
creative, caring, a God of agency who's with them and for them and will give them the strength that they need to make this journey from being oppressed to being in a place of greater spaciousness and wholeness where they can rebuild their lives. Now, it's a really beautifully structured passage. Jen just read half of it. So we're going to slow down and find the structure that's within it because the meaning is in the structure. There's a repeating question. Do you not know and have you not heard? This question is repeated twice. After the question, in each section, the prophet answers and reminds them of who God is, who they have known and heard God to be. So let's see how that works out in each section. Okay. So the first time we see it, do you not know, have you not heard, is in Isaiah 40, 21. And the prophet goes on to say, God is so vast that God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. God is so creative that God has spread the heavens over the earth like a big tent, providing a home for all. God has such agency within this earth that God reduces princes and rulers to rubble. No sooner have they risen up with their oppressive ways than God blows on them and they wither and disappear like chafe. They don't last forever. They don't have the final power. Then God so intimately knows creation that God created every star and knows them each by name. So that's the first section, right? It's a reminder to these people in exile that God is incomparably vast in creativity, agency, intimacy, and authority. Okay, jump forward. Second section, same question. Do you not know? Have you not heard? And again, the prophet makes this list that describes an image of God. God is everlasting. God is the creator of the earth. God doesn't grow tired. God doesn't grow weary. God gives strength to the weary. God increases the power of the weak. So now I want you to just like put those two sections together. And what do you get? You get this image of a God that the prophet wants to share with his community, a God who is vast, creative, has agency, authority, who created the earth, but also a God who comes close, intimately close to those who are weary. He remembers the weak and he's with them and for them, particularly those who are exiled. Okay, that's the image. Now I wanna ask you, I wanna pause here and say, how does that image land with you? How is it comforting? How is it challenging? Which parts of those images can you resonate and go, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. I, 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 I believe that. And which ones are you like, ah, it's okay for you to have those inner responses, but notice them. And maybe no, notice why. Why, is it, why are you drawn to some and not others? Okay, now sandwiched in between these questions is a third question. And this question is like the spine of the two covers of the book or like the body of the two wings of the caterpillar. It holds the two sections together. And it's a question to the people. Why do you say my way is hidden from God? My cause is disregarded from God. 
So this question right in the middle of these two grand declarations of who God is, right? And by asking this question, I feel like the prophet is pausing and naming the deepest fear, the deepest distress of the people, that they're actually not seen by God, but really invisible to God, that they're not remembered by God and cared for by God, but that God has really ceased to care about them and their situation at all. So underneath that question is a very different image of God. Can you see that? So the people, yes, of course, they feel abandoned. They lived through the horror of war. They were defeated, captured, carted off. And for 50 years, they have been in exile. They feel dislocated. They don't feel like home. They feel lost. They're weary. They're tired. They're languishing. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded. These sentences describe how they feel. And so again, I just want to pause and make room for your reality. Like when have you felt or where do you now feel disoriented, displaced, abandoned, insignificant, forgotten? Can you feel an ache inside you now? If so, can you give that part of you just a little bit of loving kindness and attention? Just acknowledge that that's how you're feeling and make room for it. During those times when you felt that way, did you wonder if God saw you? Did you wonder if God remembered you? Did you wonder if what concerned you so deeply was a concern to God? This anonymous prophet, he knew his community, right? He had an ear to their heart. He knows what they're feeling. He knows that they're questioning who God is, but he also has this ear to the heart of God and he senses something coming from that heart. He senses also that history might just be shifting. Babylon, like all emperors, it seemed so impregnable, so powerful. It can be unjust and nothing happens. It can callously rule and disregard people and nothing changes. But Cyrus, the emperor of Persia, was rising. Did the prophet sense this? Soon Babylon, the Babylonian empire would be swept away and Cyrus would let the exiles go back and create a new home outside that circle of oppression. They'd get to create a circle of belonging. Would they have the courage to make the journey? Would they stay put? The passage ends with this promise, this incomparably creative God with agency sees their distress, comes close to them, and shares strength with the weary, shares power with the weak, so that they have the strength to walk away from oppression and into new way of belonging. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's the promise that the prophet gave to them to comfort and strengthen them, much like Finn held my scarf <laughs> that I wore today. And I wonder in what ways are you waiting on God right now? I wonder in what areas of your life you're feeling weary and weak. 
So to summarize the passage, the prophet offers his community a vision of God with this incomparably great creativity and agency. He gives them this reassurance that God has not forgotten them and he gives them encouragement to keep waiting, to keep hoping, keep trusting that they will have the strength to live through resiliently what they're facing and find their way to a new terrain. As I read about this passage, I wonder who comes to your mind. Who, are, who do you think about? I'll tell you who I've been thinking about this week. I've been thinking a lot about our LGBTQ siblings who were exiled from families and church families who had to leave physical homes and spiritual homes. I think of those who remain closeted within those homes in order to maintain belonging. I think of the pain of that exile. I think of the erasure of queer youth happening in traditional churches, the assumption that they simply don't exist within the pews. It's really just too unsafe for them to speak. I wonder how many of them, having felt the sting of exile, assumed that God had forgotten them, didn't care about them, or worse, that God wanted to erase their sexual orientation. I think of pastors who secretly are spacious, yet erase or censor themselves to maintain belonging. And pastors and professors who have been exiled for not forsaking their faith, but for embracing the radical love of Jesus. I think of our own church. In the last few weeks, we've been having these hard conversations about whether we should stay or whether we should go. Staying, meaning should we let the disciplinary process go forward to the point where we're kicked out or do we leave voluntarily? In either case, it still feels like being in exile. I think of those who are going through the disillusionment of a marriage, having to leave a physical home, having to rework an emotional configuration of home, and the long journey towards restoration of a new way of being home. I think of you who are going through internal exile, who somehow feel not a part of things because you're grieving or you're struggling with your mental or physical illness and you just don't feel like yourself anymore. I think about the bombing of Gaza taking place, being forced to choose whether you're gonna stay and probably be killed or leave. No, you'll probably never be allowed to return. I think of people of color and how their stories and experiences are so easily exiled and erased within white spaces. We see these injustices and it's easy to feel despair. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded. And as I think of these situations, I confess this week, I felt weary. I felt weak. I felt, who am I in the presence of Babylon? And for some reason, that made it hard to write this sermon. I kind of just wanted to not. I would have rather watched Queer Eye on Netflix. So I had to keep walking with this sermon. But the words of this unknown prophet did speak into my weariness this week. They gave me another perspective, a God who is infinitely creative with agency and a profound commitment to those who are weak and weary. So I want us all to know that we are seen and cherished and valued by a God who is mighty and gentle, powerful and compassionate, 
that God's strength is already in you, giving you resilience as you leave spaces that aren't good for you and finding a home in spaces that are. And South Point, I want to know that we are seen and cherished and valued, that we have known the radical embrace of the expansive love of Jesus, that God's love is our shelter and our strength. And when we look back on our church history, there are so many examples of God showing up for us and giving us what we needed to keep going. Finances, when they shouldn't have come. Leaders appearing, volunteers building spaces just when we needed them most. Our fragile little community has kept going and bloomed. And here's the thing I see now. Perhaps our community is an expression of the incomparably creative, powerful, advocating movement of God. Perhaps God is the one who created us and called us here, gathers us together for such a time as this, so that we could be a safe refuge for spiritual exiles, so that they can come and find a home here, so that they would know God has not forgotten them, so that they would know God sees them. Maybe God is making our community an expression of hope. I wonder, in closing, if you could put your hand on that part of your body where you feel that pain of being weak, being weary, being abandoned, being exiled. That we could just invite God to bring strength and power into that part of us. You can just imagine that if you could. Just imagine as you breathe in and out God's agency and creativity filling you up. Imagine that you're being given the strength to take that next step. The strength maybe even to try running. If you feel really bold, you can even put your arms out and say, give us the strength to maybe even soar. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ruth, I invite you to pray with me. Following each sort of theme of prayers, uh, I will say we are not forgotten. Our hope is in God. And I invite you to say the words in green to respond, Lord God, hear our prayer and renew our strength. Let us pray. God, we know that you care for everyone and every situation. So we come to you, God of love, and we bring you our pain, our fears, our weariness, our concerns. And we know that you listen as we pray. And we bring you our joys, our successes, and our moments of calm. And we know that you rejoice with us. We are not forgotten. Our hope is in God. Lord God, hear our prayer and renew our strength. Lord God, look with compassion on our tired and weary world. We pray for those working so hard to bring peace. When they are discouraged, come close to them. We pray for the people of Gaza and Ukraine, forced from their homes because of war, 
tired of hearing the bombs and the shelling, mourning the death of family and friends, needing a savior to lift them up. We pray for the people of Israel, losing hope over the return of their loved ones held hostage. We pray for those who need new energy to keep serving in places of despair. We lift our tired and weary world to you. We are not forgotten, our hope is in God. Lord God, hear our prayer and renew our strength. Lord, we remember those who have died this week due to the violence of others. We are weary of the hatred that we see and hear all around us. We acknowledge that we do not always bring goodness into every situation. We come humbly before you, asking you to forgive us for when we have not been kind and loving. This is Black History Month, when we can celebrate and learn about the many achievements and contributions of BC's Black and African diasporic communities. We pray for those who experience historical and continuing inequality and oppression. Lord, help us to identify and challenge racism in our society and also inside ourselves. Help us to identify and challenge our own values and prejudices to learn new understandings with humility and to be willing to change. Lord, you came to bring a new way of living, to usher in a new kingdom. Show us deeper ways of following you in every situation we find ourselves in. We are not forgotten, our hope is in God. Lord God, hear our prayer and renew our strength. Lord, just as people brought their sick to Jesus for healing, we bring our community into focus, asking for your loving touch to be upon everyone we are thinking of right now. We pray for those who serve our church community, in particular our pastor Anne, our community life coordinator Madison, our administrators Karen and Sarah, and members of the church board. At this time, give each of them the energy and wisdom that they need and renew their strength. We pray for our children rejoicing in their enthusiasm. Open our eyes afresh to see the world with wonder. We think of those who are housebound. May they know the support of neighbors and friends. We ask for strength for those who work in the health and caring services, as well as those who care for people at home, young or old. We bring to mind all those in our congregation who are sick, sad, sorrowful, or suffering and exiled. We name them now, out loud, or in our hearts. We are not forgotten. Our hope is in God. Lord God, hear our prayer and renew our strength. Lord, we pause for a moment to visualize the places where we are expecting to go this week and some of the challenges we expect to encounter. Go before us, Lord, prepare the way for us. When we are afraid, fill us with courage. When we are doing mundane, boring tasks, help us to be startled by your presence. When we are weary, Give us your peace and rest. Fill us afresh each new day. We are not forgotten. 
Our hope is in God. Lord God, hear our prayer. Those who hope in you will renew their strength. As we rejoice in you, may we soar on wings like eagles. May we run and not grow weary. May we walk and not be faint. Amen. You see these words of benediction. God has met us here. In these simple rhythms and rituals of worship, we receive afresh the epiphany of God's heart. God has called us beloved. God has called us by name. God has called us into discomfort. God has called us out into the world. Really called. <laughs> Our lives have meaning and purpose, and there is good work left for us to do. So go in peace to love and live and serve in such a way that all life might flourish on this earth. <laughs>